Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mysteries the sequel by Jeffrey Deaver, read by Perry F. Bruns. Of course, most death row movies are about lawyers or journalists saving innocent prisoners at the last minute. I couldn't very well tell John that Hollywood probably wouldn't be interested in a story where the prisoner dismembered his mother's body and wrote poetry in her blood on the wall while waiting for the police to show up. The call to Samuel Coe hadn't been productive but it did give Frederick Lowell another idea. When production of the film of Cedar Hill's Road began in the fall of 66, Edward Goodwin had gone out to Hollywood briefly to meet the stars and the director and some executives at Cantor Brothers Studios. It was solely a social visit. He didn't work on the script. A screenwriter cannot, as Goodwin apparently did with some frequency, wait for a muse to inspire him. Scripts are written on demand under tight deadlines. 
According to Malone's biography, he hit it off well with everyone in L.A. and even dined with Elizabeth Taylor and William Holden. Lowell called a lawyer he knew at a mega entertainment company, one of whose smaller divisions was all that remained of the once regal Cantor brothers. He put Lowell in touch with the head of the division, Cantor Classics, which still produced a few independent films a year and retained all the rights to the filmed version of Cedar Hills Road. Ira Lepke sounded as if he were 17 years old and said ah-ah-ah a lot, as thoughts flew from his mind like batter from a mixmaster. Lowell suspected, though, that the scattered verbal skills didn't hurt his ability to take home a million or two a year in producer's fees. Ah-ah-ah, that's one of our righteous solids, Cedar Hills is. Solids. Lowell was both amused and irritated by the ease with which Hollywood coined words. Cedar made the studio some major rev. I'm speaking, uh, 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 dirigibles of money. That couldn't be an expression. Lepke continued, Aside from Elizabeth and Bill and Carl, casting cost us nothing. Sets were on the back lot and location shots were in Indiana. It was a phenom, you know, beyond great. One of the best movies of the 20th century, you ask me. A pause. Lepke said, No, I meant the budget structure. Front and back end payments hits. It's legend. I mean, pure legend. So's the movie. Lepke said, I've heard, which explained a lot. I know it was before your time, as in a generation before, but I'm trying to track down any information on the sequel to the book. Is there anybody with the studio who was around then? When? In the 60s. A laugh. Are you kidding? There isn't anybody who was with the studio in the 90s. Hold on, I'll IMDB it. Hold on, hold on. Ah, ah, ah. Reading the credits, scanning, scanning. Nope. Most of them are dead. Maybe you could track down a few through the guilds, if you don't mind old folks' homes, but believe me, I really doubt anybody in the cast or crew could help. Nobody'd remember Goodwin. Why do you say that? He was just the writer. Then Lepke grew coy. Say, Franklin. Frederick. Did we have an option on the sequel? No. The deal with Cantor Brothers was for Cedar Hills only. No sequel. Lepke snapped. Jesus, what effing pardon my French shyster negotiated that against us? My father. Ah, 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 sorry. Well, good for him. Lobel thanked him for his help. Oh, Frank? I mean, Frederick? Yes? You find the sequel. Give me a call. Keep us in mind, okay? Shia and Tatum were circling just last week, looking for props that'll let them do an art turn. This could be just the thing. You've got my digits. Ah, ah, ah. Give me a call. That night, Frederick Lowell trudged home from the subway in a sour mood. He picked up a sandwich for dinner and continued on to his building. His apartment was modest. It was 2nd Avenue, Upper East, not 5th Avenue, Upper East, and there is, of course, a matter-antimatter difference between the two. On the third floor of a walk-up brownstone, the two-bedroom place was small and dark most of the time, though in the summer it was illuminated by a stunning blast of morning light. The nearby mirrored Trump monolith efficiently reflected sun for a few minutes not long before dawn. Lowell shared the place with a mouse or two, or rather, generations of them, since he'd first heard their skittles and huffs ten years ago. He took no measures to discourage them other than to protect his staples. The pipes were noisy, the traffic too, the neighbors odd. Still, he loved it because it had that one quality that was unusual in the city. It was comforting containing pictures of his late wife, his children and their children, souvenirs they'd collected on their travels, furniture from the home of his youth in Connecticut, framed letters from clients, most of whom he also counted as his friends, and books, thousands of books. Comfort. 
Tonight, though, as he sat before the small fireplace in his green leather chair, Lowell sighed and waited for the dour mood to dissipate. No such luck. He'd changed from his suit into slacks and a starched pale yellow shirt that he might have worn to his office if he ever wore pastels on the job. He sat with the sherry and looked over the letter from the Ridgefield attorney once more. No clues as to Hudson House. No clues as to idyllic countryside. No clues as to houses of God. No hard evidence of Anderson's hope at all. On a whim, he rose, walked to a bookshelf, and pulled down a copy of Cedar Hill's Road. He began reading and was instantly captivated by the easy prose, the brilliant expressions and figures of speech that seemed to come so easily to Goodwin. There were dozens of passages that made you think, My God, I've felt that way all my life, but I've never been able to put the sentiment into words. He feels what I feel. The story defined 20th century America. The novel itself defined fiction. Somewhere during the account of the Andersons' move to Chicago, Lowell's head dipped and he dozed off. An hour later he started awake, his mind dotted with fragments of a vague dream. As he rose to go to bed, the copy of the novel flipped open to the dedication page. To the memory of the man who is Zeus in the Olympus of Literature, Thomas Wolfe. Lowell sat down again and reflected. If Wolfe, the brilliant author of Look Homeward Angel, was Goodwin's Zeus, then you could say his home in Asheville, North Carolina, was a house of God. And few areas of the country are as idyllic as that small town in the southwestern portion of the state. Is that where Goodwin had gone to get away from Pittsburgh and the grim atmosphere of death row? Lowell walked to his desk, no longer the least groggy, and typed into Google, Asheville, North Carolina, Hudson House, 1967. The Hudson House Inn, just outside of Asheville, is a popular resort for people wishing to get away from the bustle of city life. The lovely rooms are appointed with local antiques, and many a guest has come away with supper, which can be purchased a la carte or included in the price of a room, convinced he has had one of the South's finest meals. Among the guests at Hudson House have been politicians, artists, and, not the least, famed writers. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery by the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment and a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less. Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49, and you can email me at calmmystery, that's C-A-L-M mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world. <laughs>